Welcome back, I'm Alex. And I'm Oliver. And this is Where's the Bride, the LGBTQ plus wedding planning podcast. So we're recording this uh, with about 24 hours before we're actually flying on holiday, which is our first holiday in two years because of COVID. Um, and to celebrate, we're going to Cuba. So we're currently sat drinking. What are we drinking on? We're getting in the mood, we're getting in the mood. So that was what was accompanying us this whole podcast. So this week's episode, we're going to be talking everything to do with venues. Now this is probably the biggest decision you'll make of the entire wedding planning process. It's literally the place that you will hopefully remember forever uh, from marrying your significant other. Yeah, and it's something that we didn't have any disagreements, but we had a slight difference in what we were thinking originally, didn't we? Mm, yeah, definitely. I think it's really overwhelming trying to pick your venue. I think there's so many things to consider, but hopefully we'll try and guide you through the best way to do it. Obviously, this is the way we did it, but when I say Oliver compiled probably the biggest list of wedding venue questions going... I genuinely mean it was the biggest list I've ever seen. I mean, you cover over two and a half pages. But... I know. I was like, please don't read all these out on the podcast, but I think you were. I think I'm going <laughs> <laughs> um, But I think the first thing, and we touched on this in one of our previous episodes, is hopefully you've already had that conversation with your partner about if you want to get married at home or abroad or some sort of destination wedding, because ultimately that's really going to decide your venue. Um, and once you've decided that, say, for example, if you do want to get married at home or the UK, I think one of the biggest things to consider is how many people realistically do you want to invite? Because there's two ways to do this. You can either find your perfect venue. It will have some form of capacity and that helps kind of dictate your guest list. Or if you know that you both have absolutely massive families, you've got loads and loads of friends and people that you want to invite, you need to make sure that you pick a venue that can accommodate those people. Yeah, and I think the the thing that we decided was that actually let's find the venue first because as part of our deal breakers in there, you wanted something quite rustic. Um, and some, yeah. I think originally you wanted something in Kirkstall Abbey. Which yeah, was uh, my dream, like no holds barred, no logistics sort of in place. My dream was to get married in... If anyone's watched, you know the episode of Friends where... Ross marries Emily in London and they get married in like the ruins of the church that she originally wanted to get married in and there's all the candles and it's obviously a wreck but they dress it up really beautifully. That's exactly the kind of vibe I wanted when I got married. Um, but finding ruins to get married in it was actually a lot harder than it sounded. <laughs> yeah, and you know, the, one of the main things that we struggled with was the difference in cost for different venues. So my... Advice would be, everyone's probably thought of somewhere where, oh, it'd be nice to get married here one day. Go view it, have a look online, see if it's something that's worth doing. Because if you don't, you'll kick yourself. Mm -hmm. um, another question that, that we thought about quite a lot was, and we did a lot of searching on Instagram, was we, lo we looked at the venue, we looked at weddings that had been there. And obviously we spoke in the last episode about our vibe. And did it fit in with our vibe? You know, have other people done it? does that look the way we want it to look? Because you can go view a venue and it, it can be completely different to how it looks online and you don't know how people's personal stamps on it. And something that was really important for me as well was when we were looking at the venue, have they done any LGBTQ plus weddings or have they done anything that's a bit different? Because 
it's still something in personally for me in the back of my mind where as much as I would love to be the first gay wedding in a specific venue is it you be? also don't like at yeah. the same time yeah yeah I know what you mean I think I think you thought about this a lot more than I did actually and when we were looking at venues I just was really preoccupied with the style that I wanted, I think we've mentioned this before, but we were quite lucky that we both wanted a really similar vibe. So we knew that it was going to be something quite rustic. We both live in Yorkshire. We knew we wanted it in or around Yorkshire and that it wasn't going to be too far away. Um, there was a couple of different places that we looked at and then very quickly the budget conversation had to come up because um, there's all sorts of things to consider about, you know, are you just paying for a room? Are you paying for the whole venue? Uh, there's so many additional costs that come into getting your venue. But I remember when we looked at a few of them and we asked to see some examples of LGBTQ plus weddings. And unfortunately, and I don't think it was necessary that it was sort of anything on purpose, not a lot of venues had examples, which I thought was really, really surprising. There was a lot that, that did and we went with somewhere that did. Um, but you'd be surprised, especially when you're looking online at how much it very much still is a white bride in a wedding dress and a white straight groom. And there's very little diversity in the sort of promotional materials they're using. Yeah, completely agree. I think that when you look at people's wedding websites, etc., there was a couple that we saw where they actually did have something which could be considered as two grooms, or is it two groomsmen? And I think that's probably their way of giving it the nod. But I want to see inclusivity. I want to know that the the two grooms in the picture actually got married there. I want, I want to know that it's not two models. Because where's the representation in that? What if there was one lady in a dress? Is it a lesbian wedding? Or is it is it just two friends and someone that attended the wedding? I think that, that was one of the things that when we were looking, and I know it, it could sound a bit petty, but... I just want to see the representation there and, and know that where we go, it, it, we're going to be accepted. Yeah, for sure. So super quickly, even though I'd kind of had my heart set on like my perfect wedding venue, I think when you actually start to go and look at them and consider sometimes the restrictions, the, the different venue styles, I think the ideal that you've had in your head actually changes pretty quickly. Like I said to you, there was a specific venue in like North Yorkshire that, that I'd said for years that I wanted to be my wedding venue and I had my heart set on it. We went and stayed near there like over Christmas and I thought that was when we were going to get engaged. I just had my heart set on it because I thought it was beautiful. Um, we went to view it not long after we got engaged and pretty quickly I realised that because we both agreed that we wanted like a DIY wedding, we wanted to have quite a lot of flexibility to make our own choices with stuff. Um, it wasn't just really going to fit to the vibe of the day. Like, you had to use specific caterers, for example. Um, there was quite a high corkage fee. Uh, and for us, that just completely priced it out straight away, which was a bit gutting. But I think if, if that venue suited the vibe of the day that you wanted, then amazing. But again, like for you, like you mentioned, like the food was a really big thing that you wanted to choose. And being like tied into using one caterer that this venue used basically just meant that it wasn't going to work for us. Yeah, and it was the, the fact that we would have blown our whole budget from the very beginning, which budgets are there to be stretched and to pull and change, and that, that's the way it's going to happen, but everything would have gone, and we would have ended up probably having half the day that we wanted. Then, you know, we were, we were looking at things like the corkage that was there, which 
would have added an awful lot more money on than there's the food per head. That then entail affects the amount of people that you can invite to the day do and the cost just goes up and up and up so that was one of the things that we found uh, it was more than one venue um, yeah there was we, a couple that we found that and I think if we've got some advice and my piece of advice is as much as you love it if your budget's not there don't stretch yourself because there'll be somewhere else that you can probably get exactly what you want and just have to make a couple of amendments mm-hmm. and, and take it from there yeah and also I mean, not everyone is like us, I guess, but I think if your heart is really, really set on somewhere, go and really weigh up the pros and cons. If it's your perfect venue and it fits and ticks the rest of the boxes, then amazing, like, that would be so good. But for us, there was so many of the things, like we mentioned, that, like, Oliver was really keen on sorting the food and making sure we could have, like, different types of food, and that just wasn't going to happen at the venue originally that we wanted. Um, There was also to consider, which I think is a major one, is your wedding date. So often the venue can completely dictate the date of your wedding. If you have found your perfect venue, um, you kind of roughly know you want to get married in a year or two years or however long it is, the availability for that venue can dictate when you want to get married. Um, But then you kind of have to think about, do you have a preference on if you have a summer wedding or a winter wedding or something like that? I remember we went to look at a venue, uh, it was near York actually, that was stunning. And to be honest, I would have absolutely loved to have got married there, but they only had availability on a weekend. And I really wanted to get married on a Saturday to make sure like as many people as possible could come. Uh, The only availability they had for the next two years was in November and December. And me and you, I don't know why, but we both agreed that we wanted like an autumn wedding. Yeah, I think it was the originally when we were discussing when we were getting going and we talk about your vibe, that that was the first thing that we both agreed on. Um, and it became one of our, you know, we keep saying non-negotiables um, from there. And with, with the venues, one thing that we found really useful, we, we actually did create a bit of a sheet, it was a bit geeky, um, but it was something where we could then write down all the details on the venue, the cost, the size, the, the dates they've got, a kind of availability for you to actually get married. Then it's kind of thinking about that, right, let's sit down once we've viewed them all and go through it because there may be one of the venues that you go and view and you think, eh, yeah, and then you go back and you're like, do you know what, yeah, which is exactly what mm-hmm. we did. Yeah, um, yeah, definitely. We're definitely one of them couples that see something first and go for it, which is a good thing, but I think when it came to wedding venues, I was really conscious of just jumping at the first... Um, venue we saw but I think making sure that you go and view and also viewing different styles so even though we were really set on we wanted some kind of like farmhouse barn type vibe or like rustic-y ruins I don't even know how to describe it but we went and looked at like there was one a, a venue near us that was absolutely beautiful it was more of like a stately home stunning but I think pretty quickly we just thought it wasn't very us I can't even put my finger on why but it was a bit stuffy it was it felt very formal, Formal, which isn't the vibe mm. that we wanted to go for. And they were showing us things like the chair covers. I remember looking at you like, mm. Yeah, it just wasn't... Just, they, were, they were lovely, but they, were, they weren't what we wanted. So it, it all came down to, to thinking about kind of what are the pros, what are the cons. And then a big question that, that we didn't even think about at the time was... How on earth are people going to get there? Mm-hmm. Massive, massive consideration, and it, yeah. And it was something where what the one that we went to go view in North Yorkshire was beautiful, 
But I don't think many people would have been able to get there for that without spending a fortune on taxis, which you've got to take into consideration because going to a wedding is, is expensive. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And That's also a major consideration if you're getting married abroad as well. I know I've had friends that have got married abroad and weddings have been amazing, but they, like, I know someone that picked, like, this beautiful, I think it was a vineyard or something, um, out in Italy, absolutely amazing, but for the guests, it was, it was a lot of commitment to get there and travel there and find accommodation nearby, because there wasn't really many hotels, and the venue itself could only accommodate a couple of people, so just the practicalities of it, I know thinking about practicalities when you're thinking about your wedding isn't the sexiest sexiest of things and the most exciting things to think about but I think for us and this kind of comes back to like how many people your venue can hold we knew that very quickly we were going to have quite a big guest list and realistically we didn't know where they were all going to stay if we picked that first venue 100% yeah I think as well going back to numbers really understand if your venue has any restrictions on the sort of wedding breakfast and day reception versus the night reception uh the eventual venue that we decided on it's like a old converted farmhouse isn't it in leeds um it's stunning we can do it up how we want we're really lucky that we've got it for three days to make sure that we can have time to set it up and take it all down the day after um but it basically accommodated our guests. So in the day, I think we can have up to about 85. Our guest list is currently more than that. So we really need to chop that down. Um, and But then at night, we can have up to, I think, about 160, 170, um, which for us was really important because we're going to come on to this in about two episodes time. But I think guest lists is the most stressful part of wedding planning so far. I thought it was the most fun. I really enjoyed oh, it. It is in ways, but I think this, this again, like this is a massive deal breaker. I think when you're picking your venue, we fell in love with this venue. We booked the venue and then we did our guest list afterwards. Well, we sort of had a rough idea, but we really finalized it afterwards. The issue that we now have is we are limited with 160 people max. And it sounds like a lot of people, but honestly, the side, we have both of us have massive families. We've got a lot of friends, and you get to that number quicker than you'd think. Yeah, and then it becomes people's partners, people's kids, mm. and that was another consideration of are we even going to have kids at the wedding? We, don't, you know, that's still something that we've got a couple of kids coming. But I think Alex mentioned there was my long list of questions, and I think asking questions is one of the most important things that you can do at any venue. I went a bit. OTT. <laughs> um, I did, did quite a bit of googling and I think that the questions I asked were just to comfort my own mind because the last thing I wanted on, on our wedding day was to get there and then go no. I think any good um, respectful venue as well will be more than happy to answer a million questions and luckily our venue was because you literally did have a million questions. Honestly, we were there for half an hour. I mean I'm <laughs> going to go through a few of them now. Alex will probably edit a lot of this out. <laughs> um, but just the questions that I think are really important um, that you need to ask is things like arrival time. When can you arrive at the venue? How, if you've only got it for one day, what time can I arrive? Do you need to set things up? Do you, you have people who can get there before you to set them up? Extremely important. What time do you need to leave? Like, mm, massive one. We didn't think about it at all. And we were like, oh yeah, it just ends when it ends. And there was one venue that were like, you need to be gone by midnight. Yeah, gone by midnight. There was a noise curfew. The DJ had to be gone by 11. And I didn't want that. I was like, if the party carries on, the party carries on. Yeah. So luckily we found a venue that um, it's 
quite remote really there's no noise curfews or anything like that so it was a bit more flexible yeah it was the another one was how many parking spaces really sad question but what if people want to drive there and there's there's and there's nowhere for them to park it was do we get any staff to help us on the day it, that to me i can't figure out how we're going to do everything still so we we do have our parties who are going to help us on there but do we have someone who works for the venue who is going to help us as well obviously yeah. they know the venue they know everything where do you get married? Yeah, that's a massive one as well because what um, I found, and this kind of again goes back to like when in the year do you want to get married? We knew we wanted an autumn wedding um, and our venue, like we, you can get married there, it's licensed for ceremonies um, as well as the reception, but they have this sort of beautiful outside space and as soon as I saw it, I'd never really thought about getting married outside to be honest, but as soon as I saw it, we, it was just very obvious that, that that was like the big grand, it's like in a sort of clearing in the woods. Um, and I was like, I want to get married outside, but um, is that allowed? Like I actually had to research whether they the we could have a, a registrar or celebrant come and do it outside. We'll come on to that in a later episode, but um, that was a massive consideration actually that we had to think about. Yeah, and the, the good thing is they showed us all these different areas. There was like a little secret garden, there was the inside area where we're probably going to have our, um, our wedding breakfast and then we're going to have our disco afterwards. There was a courtyard, there was, and they were so good at showing us everywhere. She even stood us up and dragged us out, and like, you could do it here, this is how you could do it, here's some pictures. It was, it was one of the best questions that we asked. Another one that we asked, how many tables and seats are there? And honestly, it was something that, do they have enough for the amount of people? Obviously, they say, oh, you can have 95 people, but how many tables is that going to be? What do the, what do the tables look like? Mm. And how comfortably would 95 people fit in the room? Like, 100%. That's what I was thinking. Wi-Fi. <laughs> it's not the modern age about Wi-Fi. As we had to ask that. You know, It's something that we even tested when we were at the venue itself. We were asking things like, is there a microphone provided, or do we have to sort that ourselves? Is there an AUX port for a laptop? weird question but what if you get there on the day and they don't have it yeah and you need background music it's that it's those tiny things that you don't consider that actually if they didn't have good wi-fi and they didn't have an aux port are we gonna have no music for the entirety of our thing or is the dj gonna be able to actually do his job like those tiny tiny things i was kind of rinsing you a little bit for taking this wad of questions but i'm so glad we asked so many don't worry um (laughs) One of the questions that we asked, because we'd spoken to a couple of caterers, but we hadn't really got anything confirmed, was, do they provide crockery, cutlery, glassware? It was a question that I remember you'd be like, why are you asking that? And it's like, well, what if they don't have it? And I'm not going to lie, they showed us what they had and it was gross. So it was a really good question to ask, because then we could tell the caterers, actually, can you provide it for us? Is there an ice machine? One of the most important questions. Do we oh, have to... you've been fixated on this Ice I'm, I'm obsessed with the ice. There needs to be ice. <laughs> and is there any... Luckily, the bar that we've hired are bringing an ice machine with them. Um, you know, do we wash the stuff up the next day ourselves? Or, you know, is there a cleaning crew that comes in? Do we have to sort those kind of things? There's kitchen equipment on site. What are we allowed to use? What are we not allowed to use? Um, obviously, do the chefs who are coming, do they have to bring their own knives? Most probably want to. But yeah. Weird question. We asked it. It also depends on... A big consideration is, is are you using caterers that are part of the venue? If you're getting married in a hotel or maybe like a stately home that does weddings all the time, they will have potentially caterers that work from the venue. So that might not necessarily be a consideration. But I think 
for us, the, the, our venue was very much the bare bones. Like, it doesn't have a bar. It didn't have any, like, in-house caterers. It's kind of an old converted farmhouse. Did have, like, an industrial kitchen. So it really was, like, we had to put everything... We're having to put everything in there from scratch. So we really had to consider every little minute detail. Or, Alex mentioned the bar. Where does the bar go? Where's everyone else have the bar on the venue itself? Uh, another one which we asked, but we kind of already knew with our venue, is can anyone stay at the venue? So if you're staying in a hotel, for example, how many rooms does the hotel have? Uh, you know, can you kind of hire that out exclusively for wedding guests or are there going to be other people in the hotel at the same time? Uh, is there any other accommodation? Like, I think you can actually camp at our venue if you wanted to. You can yeah, bring a tent. And, yeah, yeah. yeah, but it's stuff like that because then if you can... Uh, you know, get your wedding parties in at potentially no extra cost or there's an additional cost to stay in like the, uh, well, most venues still call it a bridal suite, but is there room for both of you as a couple to stay the night in the venue or do you have to go to a hotel nearby, for example? Yeah. Anything to do on the, because we've got a venue for three nights, is there anything to do on the Friday night? Do we just chill out? Do we set it up? Is there going to be anyone working on site on the Friday, if so, can they recommend anything for as well? Because there's going to be quite a few people there. We were like, well, what do we do with all these people? <laughs> yeah, and then some of like the really tiny questions that we sort of fired through, but we're glad that we did. Um, have they got tablecloths? If they don't, can we rent them? Or do we have to get them from our caterer? Do we have to get them ourselves? Can you burn candles? That was a question I never thought of, but... We wanted loads of candles everywhere. Our venue said that we can, but they need to be covered in like glass jars. Um, not something I would have considered. COVID. Yeah, massive, massive consideration. What if COVID happened? Or what if something else happened like COVID? What, what would happen? The amount of people I saw that lost venues, lost some money. A lot of people, you know, they were really lucky they got to rearrange, but there were people who lost money, people who cancelled because of COVID. And, you know, some of them got the money back, some of them didn't. What What is the is the policy for when that happens? Are umbrellas provided? You laughed your head off at this one. I mean, we're getting married at the end of September outside, so in a way, I'm really glad that you asked this. Do you know what they had? 50 of them in the, yeah. <laughs> in the, in the, in the little room with all the storage in. Signage. Is the signage to tell people how to get there? We use the sat-nav. Obviously, there's going to be taxis. People might be driving. Some of my family don't even know what the word sat-nav means. Yeah. Massive one as well, and I thought this was the best question. Can you get an Uber? Can you get an Uber from the venue? Obviously, if you are in the middle of nowhere or you don't live somewhere where Uber is available, ask what the taxi services are. We're lucky. We live in Leeds. Uber is readily available, and our venue is not too far outside of Leeds, and Uber will pick up, um, which is really easy for guests that will probably be staying in hotels in Leeds City Centre or sort of surrounding areas. Bathrooms. How many bathrooms are there on site? Are the bathrooms accessible? Are the bathrooms for the rooms? It's something that we didn't think about until we got there and we noticed that there was an outdoor toilet really and I think we were like, oh my god, is that the, is that the only one? But it was, it was really important. A massive one to consider, I think I mentioned this before as well, is corkage. So for anyone that doesn't know, a lot of venues, if you want to bring any of your own alcohol, so whether that's table wine, champagne for the toasts, uh, some spirits to do a shot from, whatever it is, a lot of venues, if they have their own bar, will charge you corkage. And I think when we were looking at venues, it varied massively, didn't it? Like there was one venue we looked at where they would charge £50 for every bottle opened. So 
we were thinking of giving sort of half a bottle of wine, probably more to be honest, half a bottle of wine, say, to each guest. You're talking up to 50 bottles of wine. We were talking thousands and thousands of pounds in corkage just before we'd even got anything else into this venue. Um, luckily, the venue we're in now, because it doesn't have its own bar, uh, we are allowed to bring our own alcohol in the bar. We've rented a happy to serve that for us. But corkage is a big consideration, I think, when you're looking for venues. It's one of them things that often can be a bit of a hidden cost and people don't really consider straight away. They'll settle on a venue and then it kind of comes to bite them further down the process. But I would definitely think if you are wanting to provide any alcohol yourself, um, even the smallest amount, check if your venue charges a corkage fee because it, some of them can be absolutely extortionate. And also ask your bar company as well. We, I'm glad that we asked them because they're fine with it, but I feel like it's a courtesy to them because they may go there thinking, oh, we're gonna make some good money tonight. And if you're providing some alcohol through the day... Yeah, you don't want them to miss out on... Are, are they happy with that as mm. well? Um, th there were certain things that, for me, because we wanted to be a DIY wedding that I was asking, there were things like, can we hang things from the ceiling? <laughs> there was things like, do you have fairy lights that we can use? What equipment have people left in the past that we can use? Luckily, the woman was fantastic at our venue and said that we could use anything we want out of their storage cupboard. Um, Another question that I asked, which they did laugh, was what's the max wattage that you can have on the venue as well? Because we're wanting a DJ, we're wanting karaoke, <laughs> we're wanting speakers, we're wanting this, that and other. The last thing we want, because it's an old farm venue, is the electricity to, to go out. <laughs> and we're just we're sat there in the dark with obviously candles, but we're not allowed candles unless they're uncovered, unless they're covered up. So, you know, that, that was just a big one for me because... It's an old building. Mm. Another thing as well is really try and get to know who your point of contact's going to be at your venue. So uh, at our wedding venue, they don't have, I guess, what you consider like a wedding planner or like a wedding coordinator. The venue itself isn't just used for weddings. It's used throughout the week for something different. So it they do do weddings, obviously, but it's not the primary function of that venue. However, if you were going to a stately home or a hotel or something like that where all they do is weddings inside and out, you'll often find that they have some form of wedding coordinator or wedding planner that is kind of on hand to maybe help you run the day, make sure everything's okay, help you set things up, and they might have a team to do it. I think that's really important because even though we've said before we didn't necessarily think we needed a wedding planner or we wanted to do a lot of it ourselves, I think having someone that can really help you with the organisation of it and be your point of contact is really, really useful. And sort of leading on from that, how many times can you go and see your venue before your big day? So we booked ours sort of 18 months in advance. We've already been back a couple of times to show our parents and um, show friends and stuff like that. Sure. Yeah, and, and then start to actually consider the logistics. We've hired a bar to go in. Is it going to fit? We've hired a food truck. Where is it going to where's it going to be, you know, we, we kind of need to envisage where are we going to walk and create an aisle because it's not like a clear-cut thing for our ceremony. So ask loads of questions and don't feel embarrassed about saying, you know, you're spending, it's probably the most expensive part you're ever going to throw, so don't feel bad for wanting that FaceTime with someone from the venue, at the venue, multiple times before your big day. Yeah, and then the, I mean, there's loads more little questions, but we're not going to bore you with them, but the the last big question that we asked was deposit. When do we pay it? When do you want payment? And how do you want payment? Because we've got to the point now where a lot of the, the vendors that we're using are like, oh yeah, pay us a month before. Oh yeah, pay us two months before. 
a month before or two months before, we're going to be eating bread and butter because, well, maybe not butter because low pack's expensive, but it's, it's going to be an expensive couple of months. And it's, can we pay more in advance? Yes or no? I remember one of the venues said no. They said that you have to pay on a specific payment plan on these dates because that's the way it works for them, which I'm like, fair, that's, that's the way it works for you. But you need to take into account of everything else that you're going to be paying out. So we asked ours, can we pay a deposit today? Will that secure the date? And has anyone else gone in there asking for the same date? Because that might get you to move a bit quicker or it might get you to think, do you know what, if I lose it, I lose it. And that tells you. Yeah, exactly. And also, it again, going back to those non-negotiables that I think we're probably going to bang on until, until we eventually finish this podcast, how bothered are you about a specific date? So we had sort of said we wanted an autumn wedding. I think originally we said October. Um, we found this venue. They didn't really have availability for a, a Saturday in October. Um, and that, but they had it for Saturday the 30th of September. I'm really weird and I just thought getting married on the last day of the month was nice. It was just aesthetically pleasing. I don't know why. But if we, for example, um, I know people really want to get married on a specific date because it has a, you know, it shares a birthday with someone or an anniversary or it holds a lot of meaning to them. If the date is one of your non-negotiables, make sure that you're asking that straight away when you're looking at a venue and you start to engage in those conversations because if they can't do your date, then, and that's a massive thing for you, you're ultimately just wasting your time. 100%. No, I completely agree. And I, I remember there was one of the venues that we were looking at and we were saying October, this is before the venue were chosen, told us the 30th of September. And they said, no, there's no, no availability then. And I remember me and you looked at each other and we're like, okay. Yeah. And, and, it, and it was one of the venues that we really wanted originally. But I think because of that, it, it just sealed the deal for us. We didn't get upset by it because we're really happy with the venue that we have found. And it's also noting as well that if you find a venue that you love and for some reason it's not available or for some reason there's something that you don't like, you can move on from that and you can, you can move over to somewhere else. Also something to consider when you're thinking about when you want to get married and the date is that often venues will charge you a different price throughout the year. So I think the most popular months to get married are sort of the late spring, early summer, going into August. So if you have your heart set on a summer wedding, you want to get married in August, be prepared that you'll be probably paying the, the maximum that that, bed, that that venue will charge you. Like I said, we kind of knew we didn't really want a summer wedding. Summer's really busy in our family with birthdays and stuff like that. I didn't want to add something else into the mix. So when we looked at autumn, uh, for the same venue that we have now, actually getting married in September and October made it slightly cheaper. If we would have got married in November or December or January, it would have actually made it even cheaper still. Uh, and if you are, you know, working to a stricter budget, but you've got your heart set on a specific venue, if you're not bothered about the time of year you get married, that's a really good way to potentially save thousands and thousands and still get the venue of your dreams if you're prepared to get married in the winter or something like that. And it can just change the vibe of your day and actually be something really sweet. I know people that have got married in December and because it's been around Christmas, it's actually added like a real extra layer to the day and it's been really, really sweet. And it, if it's snowed or something like that. Um, but if you are looking at venues and you're thinking, God, this is, you know, getting pretty pricey, think about how firm you are on the time of year you want to get married. Because if you are flexible with that, you will probably be able to save yourself a good chunk of money. Um, once 
you know, you've found the venue that you want. It is about thinking, right, let's go all the way back to the beginning, back to the planning that we originally made. What vibe do we want? Does the vibe still go? Do we have to change the vibe? Do we have to change anything about our expectations of the day? Or does it inspire you in a very different way? I think it inspired us going, get married outside in yeah. the forest area. And we're like, oh my God, we're going to put a little bit more greens into it. We're going to make it a bit more... Earthy, earthy and, and yeah. <laughs> stuff like that. And it was, that was one of the things that, that actually really helped. And it is all about kind of like going back on yourself throughout the whole pr- process. And going, you know, we, we've spoken about making sure that, you know, they've had LGBTQ plus weddings there before. Obviously, when we went to go view ours, and she did correct herself. She called it the bridal suite mm-hmm. and was a bit embarrassed that she'd called it the bridal suite. So it's thinking to yourself, like, what, what can I do to make my day less gendered? What can I do to make my day less heteronormative? So um, we're going to create little signs for the door. And they don't have a sign saying bridal suite, but I'm just going to call it groom suite for the evening. And it's going to be all VIP suite whatever you want to call it. And it's it's thinking, you know, they may not have had LGBTQ plus weddings there before. There, there may be things in there that you're like, oh, this is a bit awkward. Or you might go to a hotel and there might be two robes, one male, one female, probably. It's thinking about all those things ahead of time. And then you can make it your own. You can really s- screw up the system a bit and really make it your own. Yeah, I think it's not necessarily your job as a couple when you're planning your wedding to educate the venues i think it depends how comfortable you feel if you really want to get married somewhere where there's been some incredible non-traditional non-heterosexual weddings before make that a real consideration when you're looking um even though that was super important to us like the vibe and the setting uh also had a big role to play so we made sure that we were really comfortable with the venue that we went the people that were working there they were lovely but also if we, if us getting married there helps them make future ceremonies more inclusive and it helps the venue, you know, learn how they can better cater for LGBTQ couples, then I see that as a positive thing. There's, there's, there was no one in our search for a venue that I thought was discriminatory or anything like that. Everyone was super welcoming, super lovely, really open to questions and really receptive to the way in which we wanted to deconstruct parts of the day. Um... You know, like you said, there isn't a bride and a groom. We're not going both going to be getting ready at the venue together and stuff like that. So they were really open um, to how they could adapt for us. And I'd love to think... I mean, I do know that they'd had LGBTQ weddings before. But if you're going to a venue potentially that hasn't, it's not necessarily that they haven't been welcoming. It might just be that they're a smaller venue or there's a load of other variables that are at play. So... If you can do anything to help educate them and you feel comfortable doing so, then don't feel afraid to do it. Uh, I think ultimately it's going to drive the wedding industry to be more inclusive uh, in a way that it's getting there. I just don't think it's getting there fast enough. So we're sorry for the brain dump on on you all there because choosing a venue is really the most important start to planning the wedding. For, For us it was anyway. And you need to ask the questions. You need to ask so many questions you need to be a hundred percent happy because it is the most expensive part of the wedding it doesn't have to be because sometimes you can you can make it work other ways but 90 percent of the time it is going to be expensive and you need to be 100 percent to to cross the line with it so yeah so if you if you've got any more questions for us or if there's any questions that you think we've missed anything that you want to 
ask at yours, anything that you did ask at yours that we've not even covered, that we may not have even thought about yet, that on the day we'll be like, oh God, here we go. Let us know. We, we really appreciate it. We've had loads of communication from you from our previous episodes. And it's great because it's helping us. It's going to help us move this podcast forward. And your ideas are fantastic. Yeah. And if you're an LGBTQ plus couple and have a great experience or even a not so great experience about your wedding venue, then we'd love to hear. We'd love to be able to share and help other couples get inspired on wedding venues that might be close by to them. Um, and basically help them get inspired for where they can celebrate their weddings as well. Um, but after we get back from our holiday in a couple of weeks, we're going to be inviting our first guest onto Where's the Bride. So, so excited. Yeah, so I'm really, really excited to say that in our next episode, we're going to be talking to Zoe Burke. So she's the editor of Hitch.co.uk, which is one of the UK's biggest wedding websites. And we're going to be talking to her about her experience of being in the wedding industry and how the wedding industry can be more inclusive and where she thinks the future of the wedding industry is going to go as more non-traditional couples hopefully start to celebrate their love and get married. So thanks everyone. Hopefully that helped and gave you some real inspiration on the kind of questions you need to be asking when you're hunting for that perfect wedding venue. Uh, so all that's left for us before we go on holiday, what are we having for our final dinner? Honestly, it's really boring. It's everything from the fridge in a pasta dish. Oh yeah. All right, everyone. We'll see you next time. Hasta la vista, baby. <laughs>